Hello and welcome to the Alternative Path with me, David Robson. A guy, a guy on this week who has been through um, been through a journey the last kind of 12 months and, and beyond that not many people, I dare say, across the country have done. His name is Adam Dabin. He is the head teacher of Sir Bobby Robson's school in Suffolk. Now, Sir Bobby Robson's school is a very new school. It's, you know, they, they opened in September uh, 2020. So, you know, opening a school in the middle of a global pandemic, you know, I think, you know, I could probably try and introduce you a bit more and, and go into details. But Adam, great to have you on. Just give us a bit of a, a bit of an intro to who you are and where you're from. Yeah, thanks for inviting me on. Um, so yeah, so I'm I'm Adam. I uh, I guess the kind of starting point to this is I I sort of began this journey this time last year. So um, so I was appointed to be the, the sort of founding head of Sir Bobby Robson um, sort of July the year before last. Um, I was the executive head of two primary schools in in Norfolk before that, and I've worked in special needs prior to that as well. So um, this sort of opportunity came up, and I I. Uh, I started on the 1st of January, um, obviously didn't have a school at that point. So, um, you know, I was fortunate that my uh, trust had sort of invested in me sort of two terms prior to beginning. So it gave me the opportunity to really uh, do the work, lay the foundations, really build something in the vision of what I wanted it to be and what the people I work with wanted it to be. Um, and it was all going along beautifully. <laughs> um, and then something happened and that sort of changed the entire dynamic of everything. So. Um, yeah, so it's been a slightly eventful uh, uh, experience, shall we say? Yeah, well, I think like um, you know, starting in in January was was there ever was there ever when it all obviously all the COVID stuff kind of really really got going? I suppose like March April time was there ever a point where it didn't look likely that you'd be able to to open, or was that even, was it always just this school is opening that it, it, it's happening? Was it was there ever a kind of I thought that it might not happen. Um, the honest answer is yes, there was moments when it could have easily not, um, but not opening was never really an option, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, I guess we, we, we did a lot of, it's really hard, so much has happened. So we, <laughs> so, I, so I guess the, the sort of journey of it was, is that I, I, I came on board with Unity School Partnership in, in January. And I spent uh, first couple of weeks just getting to know everybody, um, spent some time at head office, um, and then sat down and started making all these grand plans for how I was going to spend my next sort of six months up until the summer, um, doing all of the preparation, the pre-offsted work, working on the development of the site, doing all of the transition work, going to visit all my pupils in their settings, doing family meetings, all of these amazingly wonderful things that would have you know, really set us up beautifully for September. Um, and then, yeah, I got to about, we got to about March time and then all of a sudden this, this became very, very real. Um, and before I knew it, I was, I was in a lockdown and I'd only been able to go and visit one set of pupils in one of my um, settings I was taking pupils from. And I only saw probably about four pupils. So all of the grand plans that we had around doing a, you know, an extremely strong transition package and, and getting to know the families and pupils beforehand just went out the window immediately. Um, and at that point, it was um, it wasn't really looking too bad until the kind of I guess the gravity of the situation kind of went a few weeks further on. And then once lockdown was imposed properly um, and building sites shut, that's when all of a sudden there was this real sort of impending possibility that hang on a minute we might not even have a school come September. And actually, in the end, we we didn't. 
Um, so yeah, so I mean, you know, we had moments where we could have made a decision to delay opening, um, but where I was very fortunate, Suffolk County Council uh, were amazing at finding us something uh, temporary just around the corner from our actual site. Um, and we were able to use that in September to do a, a, a part-time offer, but actually it allowed us to do what I would call a really good extended transition package. Mm. Which uh, for, for pupils coming into your school is really important, isn't it? You know, like that, that kind of transition into, into any new school is, is massively important, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, we, 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 we had so many grand plans for prior to opening um, around, you know, make it, for me, the transition was the, almost the most important thing. I wanted to make sure that all of the kids we were receiving had the absolute best possible start with us to hit the ground running. Um, you know, we were receiving out of county placement pupils, we were receiving pupils from Cruz, APs, um, very, you know, none of my pupils came from a mainstream background this year. And we were, you know, all of us working on the project were just desperate to make sure that we got it as, as strongly set up for September as possible. And then obviously everything happened and it all changed. Um, but actually, in some really weird way, I think what has happened has ended up being a bit of a silver lining for us because it's allowed us to do something that um, I think has actually set us up to have a really positive start in our new building by having this extended transition period where, where we were, we were in an old community centre. Um, so we literally had a few rooms in the community centre where we had a sports hall, uh, an office space, and a couple of classrooms and a, and a kitchen area. And um, we couldn't physically have all 30 pupils and it just wasn't sort of safe to do it. And then with COVID and things like that. So we actually ended up doing um, sort of an extended transition where we started having the pupils in just one-to-one -one for an hour to begin with. Um, because obviously by this point, September, some pupils have been at home for, you know, six months, some have been home for longer. Um, so we began by doing one-to-one -one sessions for all of our pupils just to get them out of their houses first of all, and then to meet us because again, we'd sent some social stories and we'd sent some uh, staff profiles out, but these guys had turned up at a new school in September having never met anybody because obviously lockdown had prevented us from mm. doing that. So we did the one-to-one -one sessions and then we moved it up to two-to-one sessions. Um, and then gradually we built up to uh, six in a group. So almost, so, so sort of their class sizes. Um, and then over time we were able to get more than one group in at a time. And then what we did is we did that for um, up until two weeks before Christmas. Uh, and then we had two weeks um, in our new building just before Christmas. And then the grand plan was, was to uh, hit the ground running in January, uh, all full time, all my staff in, uh, everything was going to be brilliant. And then locked down again. So um, yeah, we've come back um, a couple of weeks ago and again, just, you know, yeah. we, we have a bit of a motto that's developed at our school. It's called Sir Bobby Robson. It'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> Just because you know yeah everybody's just had to react like everybody around the country you know to just the most you know crazy situation so so yeah so we we, we had a couple of weeks for christmas in we are now in our building as well and it's just you know it's an absolutely amazing brand new building um we've got you know an incredible space an incredible facility um you know it's something that i was fortunate enough to be able to have quite a big say in the design process of so there's some bits and pieces we've put in that you know are very specific to, to try and help support the needs of our pupils um we've got a lot of space we've got a lot of breakout spaces we've got a pastoral area we've got a sensory room uh we've got designated areas we've got a brilliant food tech room science room art room um we've got a primary and secondary department as well because we opened with 30 pupils this year just secondary 
uh, and next year we're going to uh, go down to primary as well. Cool. So yeah, I think something you touched on is you know everyone's had everyone's had struggles of kind of like across the board whether you're a teacher, a pupil, a parent, a head teacher, a TA, a cleaner, whatever whatever your role is in in not just education in in anything it's it's been it's been tough. The one thing that kind of like struck like if I think about kind of like that journey for your pupils to to have started in the community hall and then going into there must have been a, there must have been a real buzz around like the excitement. I'm just like thinking like if I was one of your pupils, you know, like that kind of eagerness to get into it must have like I know it wasn't how you'd obviously planned to do it, but I can see did it did it create a real buzz? But from the pupils, like, sir, when are we getting into the new school, was it that kind of? It it was mixed because. So I guess the, the kind of context of my guys is, is a lot of them have had very mixed educational experiences. Mm. Um, I tried to add up how many ex permanent exclusions they'd had between them and I stopped counting past 50. Bearing in mind there's only 30 of them, you know. Um, I think we worked out that one pupil's had over 10 schools, um, which is just a phenomenal amount. And, and you know, there was obviously hundreds of reasons why these things mm. happen and, you know, when we when we got when we got nearer the building, what we did is because it was just around the corner, we were able to kind of keep quite well in touch with the builders. And, the, and I have to say, the builders who built it for us, RJ Carters, were brilliant, and the team on site were great. So they'd send us pictures, and they also let us go up and do a couple of visits. So what we were able to do is we took some of the kids up to see it. Uh, I took the staff up. That was that was brilliant seeing the staff because obviously I'd promised them this amazing new building, and then they wasn't quite as glamorous as I'd promised them when we when they signed up for the job um so yeah so so that some of the pupils were absolutely blown away by it because they've never been in something that is so new and shiny and amazing um you know lots of my kids have had really you know mixed experiences yeah. they've been in you know they've been in some quite old buildings or they've been in um you know community centers like where we were they've never really had anything as good as this of their own and some of them as well they were quite overawed by it all so we we did a lot of work around showing them pictures. We did a lot of work, you know. I took a lot of videos. Uh, the builders spoke to the, the kids about what was in it, um, and that kind of, you know, there, there was an absolute excitement around moving in, unquestionably. But we were very very conscious of the fact that, you know, for this group of children, we it was another change. Mm. So you'd had a group of pupils that, you know, don't cope with change particularly well anyway, and we've got a lot of ASD within our group as well. Um, so obviously, you know, we hadn't been able to do the transition we wanted to for September. We then asked these kids to turn up at a building they'd never been to with a group of staff they'd never met and then meet a group of children they'd never met. Uh, and then just as we got them all settled, we then decided, well, we didn't decide, but, it, you know, we then had to move again to a new building. Um, and kind of the funny thing is by the time we get to, to July, we're going to be adding another 30 pupils and another load of staff. So actually, you know, I'm really conscious of the fact that stability is what, what these guys need and actually they, they're, they're not really getting it by the you know just just as a result of what's happened but we've been really conscious of that and we've we've tried to kind of negate that as much as possible and we've gone through it with them and explained it with them and, and tried to make the pupils as much as part of the process as possible so mm -hmm. even when we moved in you know I got them to unpack a load of stuff and decide where things were going to go and you know where's that sofa going where are they you know what color room do you want this one to be and just to take a bit of ownership of it. But where we were lucky is actually where we had this period of time at the Murrayside Centre, it actually meant that instead of 30 pupils turning up with 20 new staff 
at a new building, we kind of went up as a team because we'd done the groundwork in building relationships and and actually when we went up it was kind of we we went up together so we were able to kind of share that experience together which has been really nice because i think we've had a really positive start up there so far yeah i've seen some of the um some of the kind of uh, pictures on social media and it looks yeah it looks looks really impressive you know i've, I've been to you know it's always kind of it's a really tricky one sometimes isn't it? because you know some like you've touched on some of the a lot of the young people who go to your school and schools that I've visited or, or worked with in the past or settings that some of the most vulnerable young people go to can't help sometimes feel that that doesn't, that could be kind of, it's not, it's not helping like a, it's not helping the young person because it's a, a real temporary, like, you know, a real temporary building or, you know, I've, I've spoken to a, uh, I spoke to a head teacher earlier in the podcast who's, um, having a new building built and like, I think he was quite open and said one of the hardest things is, is the building it, it creates its own problems because it's so old and run down and it's just not fit for purpose almost so I think like, I, th- I think it's um, I would imagine obviously not because of, of, of not in the COVID period but I would, I would imagine there'd be a, a lot of head teachers like really envious of the position you're in to a degree and yeah there's an absolute mountain of work on your shot and some stuff on your shoulders but you know it's a I'd imagine it's a great thing being able to really try and put your your stamp on the school from from day one and and kind of build it really. That was what attracted me to it in the first place. You know, it was always going to take something quite special to kind of take me away from the two schools I was working with. Um, you know, I had a really close affinity to those schools, and we'd gone on a really good journey there. And then this this you know this job came up, and you know how often do you get the opportunity to? build a school how often do you get the opportunity to literally design it from the ground up and where I've been really really fortunate is the, the, the support I've had from the sort of executive team within my trust has just been unbelievable but at no point has anyone ever sort of told me what I need to do it's been very much a shared vision but I've taken the lead on that in, in the majority of the ways and you know for me that's just been such an amazing I mean the opportunity to build your own school I would say if anyone ever gets it take it with both hands because it's such a rare opportunity anyway and yeah it comes with so many problems you will never imagine you know I've learned things during this process that I mean I was a head teacher I used to go to school every day deal with everything in school come home deal with it again deal with my own go to school when you build a school you will learn about interior design you will learn about electrics you will learn about uh, procurement you will learn about uh, pre-offset inspections I mean the, the amount of things that we did and covered, you know, from a, from a really selfish perspective, you know, the learning curve was really big, but, you know, it's been by far the most, um, you know, amazing kind of professional experience I've had so far, you know, to be able to develop something from the ground up and develop the curriculum and, you know, the, the whole process was done during a lockdown. So recruitment was all done through lockdown. So we had to do remote recruitment, which in its own right produced you know, many challenges because I'd never seen my staff do their job. Mm. So actually the way we, re- we went about recruitment was, was a challenge because we had to make sure we kind of really tapped into people's philosophy and their beliefs and their understanding of, of SEMH and SEN. And, you know, we, you know, we could have got every single person completely wrong because all we had this, we were just face to face, you know, over a screen. But, you know, I, I think, you know, actually one of the, the real strong points of what we've done is our recruitment process has been amazing because my team are, are brilliant. They really are. And, um, you know, that's kind of helped make the start of the school, uh, you know, a slightly easier process because, you know, the team have just come in and they've got it and they've understood and, 
you know that's helped us to support the pupils as well so yeah you know there's, there's just so much to do when you build this new school then you have all the work for the pre-ofsted inspection so you know you have to go through that as well which is a huge piece of work um and then you've got to do admissions and you've got to do all the other bits and pieces that come with it but you know it's it's you know all of that i'm like you say you know i've, I've got this phenomenal brand new building uh that's that's tailor-made for for the kids that are working in it and you know the staff that are working in it so yeah you know i'm unbelievably fortunate to be in the position i'm in um you know covid or no covid you know it, it was you know it was an opportunity yeah. that you know just couldn't be missed really and i, I would um one of the like getting all the interesting you touch on the recruitment stuff there like you know recruiting staff for scmh provision is is tough isn't it because you you know not taking anything away i'm just going to use a, a, a teacher as an example but you know you could have you could be in, on the lookout for a science teacher you know like this a school like yours is so much about um relationship building so much about correct me on any of this if i'm wrong but so much about how a how a teacher can get get pupils to engage and maintain that engagement and you know like to get that to get that all right is what it sounds like you, you've done through zoom meetings team meetings whatever it was and yeah that um, is, is is a challenge isn't it because yeah it's, it's it's tough it was it was probably my biggest worry going into september um i i worked with a, a gentleman called malcolm reeve who's a uh, you know a, a well-known sen um expert and he was a consultant for the trust and malcolm and i did the interviews together and and i, I mean the the interest in the roles considering we were in a pandemic was just mind-blowing i mean i had over a hundred applications for various roles, um, you know, from office manager to TA to pastoral to you know teachers, um, and the and the standard of people that we interviewed was was amazing. You know, we we were unbelievably tough because I felt we had to be. If there were any doubts, I wasn't really prepared to take a risk. And one of the things we did do is because it became quite apparent we were not going to be able to open in September. I, I held a couple of appointments back because I knew what we could do is with the part-time offer we were putting together for the for the autumn term, we were able to um, do that on a smaller staff. So what we did is we did some re-advertising in the autumn term, and I've just had my last group of staff, a couple of teachers and TAs join us on the on the first of January this year. Um, and I think actually that was absolutely the right thing to do. You know, we could have we could have rushed it and just got everybody in because that's what we need to do by September. But actually, um, we took our time and, and I think we, you know, that that allowed us to get the right people um, for the right roles. So definitely it was the biggest worry for me out of everything that we did, you know, because, you know, normally I'd have seen someone do their job. I would have seen a teacher teach. I would have seen how they interacted with pupils. I would have seen the way they dealt with situations and behaviours in classrooms. I would have seen how TAs, you know, spoke to children and worked with them. And obviously we couldn't do any of that. So yeah, so it was certainly an interesting challenge, um, but actually, it kind of make it kind of makes you up your game when you're interviewing. Um, I think when you interview, sometimes you can just go through the you go through the kind of process because you're kind of repeating it a lot. Because we were able to kind of spread it out over a couple of weeks and and you know have really good conversations. Um, I felt we really got into their kind of their mindset and their their thoughts and their kind of philosophy and their beliefs and actually that was kind of what i was looking for i wanted people that were you know absolutely going to put the pupils first 
they weren't coming with preconceived notions of what it had to be like it was about reacting to what those pupils needed and that that was for me one of the key things you know i've got a real mixture of staff i've got people that have worked in secondary primary i've got parents of sem pupils i've got people that have worked in SEMH, other people that have worked in mainstream, but every single one of them at some point said it's about responding to what those individual pupils need. And for me, that was one of the key things. I, I wanted people that were always going to put the pupils at the center of whatever it was they were doing, whatever role they had. I think in a in a way, like you could have in terms of recruitment the COVID in terms of the type of the quality of candidates probably did you a huge favor because I know from like putting ads out personally, there were so many more people looking for work sort of obviously because of COVID and it, that, that side of it could have done you a massive, I think something else that I've, and I've, I've got so much kind of so much time for your type of school and SEN, SEN schools in particular, I think, there's so many mainstream schools and mainstream senior leaders that would love to be able to take some of the way things are done in, in your school and, and other FEN schools and put it into mainstream, but because of, well, it's another conversation, league tables, pressure of results, all that sort of thing, they, they can't. I think there's a, I think there's a massive, massive interest and shift from mainstream teachers seeing schools like yourselves hearing a bit more about what they are and thinking, do you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm really interested in that because they can get back to that kind of all about the pupil rather than just about the statistic. And I had a, uh, there's another guy we, um, I spoke to who was a senior leader at an AP and he, he said when he, years and years ago when he first went into um, working in a, I think he first went to pupil referral unit, some of his colleagues in the mainstream school were like, what are you doing? It's like career suicide, what, what are you doing? Why are you going there? He went there and he was blown away. He's had other teachers from mainstream come and he's and, and they and they've all been like, this is incredible. Like, like these you can really make a difference on these on these pupils and like teachers get into teaching to make a difference, don't they? And to be a positive part of a pupil's journey. And I do think there's a lot of I think there's a lot of mainstream teachers and senior leaders that are quite envious of the way that you guys can do things. Would, would you agree with that? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think if you spoke to my my mainstream teachers that we appointed, I think they would say to you, actually, one of their biggest challenges has been remembering they're not in mainstream um, and almost not being under that pressure of data and statistics and things. Now, don't get me wrong. Progress is unbelievably important in any setting. But actually, for me, if you get it right with the pupils and you know, you, you are focused on the right things. The other things will take care of themselves. It can be the same in mainstream as well, but that, like you said, that's a different conversation altogether. But you know, when, when these guys have come in, you know, actually, I, I think they, they've found exactly that. It, it's been a real shift from what they were doing before, which was quite data driven, but actually, you know, there is, there is that freedom to, you have, you, um, if you work in a special, you have to get creative and you have to try things. And actually in my school, what works one day doesn't necessarily work the next day. So you have to be able to think on your feet. You have to be able to constantly be thinking about what the next thing is going to be because very quickly my guys will unravel it and find <laughs> you can be it. And then just when you think you've got it cracked, they're going to go, uh-uh, try again. 
so you know you have to be you have to be creative and you have to be able to think outside the box and i think a lot of people say when they go back i mean i i started in mainstream teaching and then i went to a complex needs school and i remember being stood there on my first morning and literally just went what have you done because everything i knew then meant nothing everything i knew as a teacher having worked in an outstanding you know mainstream school literally went out the window and i had to start all over again and it was amazing but it was terrifying and i you know i you know i think working in special education is, is you know probably the biggest privilege you can have in education that, that i would argue that with anybody um and i think yeah you know it it's something that does scare people because they're not completely sure but i think the problem is there's not a lot of exposure to actually what happens within special you know teacher training doesn't remotely cover you know sen and, and complex needs um you know and i you know i'd love for you know more people you know i'd love for pgc's and things to you know have to go and do a placement in a special school because it would be such an eye-opener and it's such an impact on mainstream schools as well but you know i, I just i think you're right about you know the timing of it but actually that could have gone the other way you know people could have decided not going to take a risk of changing jobs because of the uncertainty around covid but actually we ended up with you know a, a huge amount of interest um but also i think there was a, a you know because it was a new school where it is i think you know local people were really keen to be part of changing the local sem provision as well i think that um the bit you just touched on there about um doing some time in an sem school while you're doing teacher training would be would be so beneficial for for both sides it would be beneficial for for mainstream to 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 understand because if they had pupils who are on that kind of cusp of of either or it, it would really help but you know there's there's you know the more there's so many SEN school like remember when I first got into into the kind of job I suppose I was my mom's always been a mainstream primary school teacher she's like in her 70s all her working life and she was like, quite, uh, do you think there's going to be enough schools for you to really kind of be able to kind of be a success, I suppose? And I was like, honestly, I, I, was, I was amazed once you start looking at how many SEN schools, alternative provisions, and they're, they're popping up all the time, aren't they? Like every year there's more and more schools coming up. So as they're growing, it, it just makes absolute sense to kind of try and combine it with teacher training, doesn't it? Because otherwise, you're just, the, gap, the gap, there's just going to be a bigger gap opening up, in, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm really, I'm a really big advocate for the increase of special needs sort of education and training um, at the very beginning. You know, I, I only developed my interest in SEM purely on my um, school two placement on the PGCE because I had a lad in the nursery I was, I was on placement with who had global development delay and he just captivated me. Um, and actually, I can still remember his name. In fact, randomly, my children now go to that school um, and he's still about and I've seen him because I live in the area, it's completely yeah. fluke. Um, you know, and actually that one pupil was the fuse for what effectively has been my entire career. Um, you know, and that, that started on, on a teacher training, but the day I arrived in a complex needs school, I knew nothing. Like everything I knew really just went out the window because it's such a different context and it's, you know, I think relationships with families and pupils are very different in special schools. Um, there's a different type of bond and trust I think you need to develop, particularly if you've got pupils with medical needs as well, because, you know, you are looking after 
you know you know any child is important but you know you know i've had children that have had tracheostomies i've had children that have had heart defects i've had you know a huge range of things and for parents to trust you to have their their child and, and to know that you can care for them is such a huge thing um but the rewards in special education as well i just think are, are, are monstrous you know and if you can you know if you can make an impact in in the especially in, you know for me SEMH is I've always done a lot of work with behavior I've always taken kids in mainstream schools that have been challenging um you know one of the things I was sort of most proud of previously was in a really highly deprived area was having no exclusions because we you know try to manage and work with behavior being in an SEMH school specifically you know those challenges are even more acute and they're far more challenging on a daily basis but actually when you see it going right and you see the changes happening you know that it, it's just an absolutely amazing place to be and it, it you know it can be unbelievably difficult don't get me wrong and you know i've been called several choice words today and <laughs> been told what i'm thought of several times today and um you know i've taken a few kickings over the years and bits and pieces but you know for me it's it's about you know giving these guys as you know somewhere that's theirs, something that's permanent um, and you know, and trying to give them as normal an experience as possible because that's that's actually what we what I've designed is basically a high school. Mm. I've tried to design something that is as close to a normal in, in you know in brackets um, high school experience for them because it's something that my guys have never had. So they have forms, they move around their lessons. Um, you know, they have break, they have lunch, they do all these things. They've got PE, they've got you know timetables. Um, and actually they just think it's they think it's amazing because they've never had those experiences and um you know to be able to create that from scratch into you know to to be part of a team that's doing that for these guys is, is amazing so yeah it, it's certainly it's a different world to mainstream education that's for sure yeah i think um i i have so much kind of praise praise for the sector and the people that work in it and i think any time any time we take um, some, any time someone with us moves from a mainstream or to a, an SEN or SEMH alternative, whatever it might be, like nine times out of ten, the first thing that they talk about is you can really make a difference, and that is like that—that that, that is it. You know, they can, and that's not taking, not saying trying to be negative towards mainstream. It's you've got a class of six; they could have a class of twenty-five, thirty. You know, you. It, it, it's you know you've, you've got much smaller numbers but i think it's um i was uh, something else i'd be really i think should should happen from talking to, to to both sides is you know there's i've worked with primary schools before that have a number of pupils who um who are kind of on that cusp if you like of, of being um, excluded or, or not and for teachers from those type of schools to come and even just like spend a do some visits, spend a bit of time in your schools, whatever, just to just to kind of see the other side of it. I think would would also be a, a massive give, plus. Give you a slightly different perspective on what a bad day looks like sometimes. Yeah, um, but it can also give you a different perspective on what an amazing day looks like as well. I, I mean, I think what, what you're seeing around education at the moment is you're seeing a lot of trusts and schools and and groups actually set their own SRBs up and, and hubs up. Um, because they're they're very aware that this need is out there and actually there's nowhere near enough provision you know we are a brand new school but come next September we still only have a capacity of 60 pupils you know I am really really aware that we don't even touch the sides you know I have I had a parent phone me today saying what are the chances of my child getting into school next year 
And it's really, really hard to say it's unlikely because the need and demand is so high out there. I know those spaces are going to be instantly gone. I'm never going to have a space. I'm never going to have 59 people. You're never going to phone me up and I'm going to go, yeah, I've got a space. It's just yeah. not going to happen. Um, you know, but that's where I think, you know, the mainstreams are doing a great job at, at sort of acknowledging that need out there and trying to, to cater it as best as they can. But it is different for us because like you said, you know, I've got smaller class sizes. I've got more adults, you know, I've got a brand new building that is specifically designed to try and support these guys and give them everything they need. Um, but again, you know, you have to remember the journey the kids have been on in the first place to get to us. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why, you know, I'm absolutely adamant that we are going to do the absolute best for everyone that comes through that door. Because, you know, some of the, you know, one of the, they're adamant they're not staying. They're absolutely adamant they're not staying. You know, one of the lads said to me, oh, it's fine, you'll just exclude me anyway and I'll go to another school soon. That's what always happens. And, you know, you've got, you know, you've got this, I've sort of found we've got two big challenges in our place. Mm. You've got the SEMH and diagnosed, you know, medical needs and bits and pieces. And then you've got ingrained attitudes and behavior. So, a lot of my kids are really, really expert at avoidance. Mm. Because for years to get through, they've avoided and they've got some of the most amazing strategies and processes and systems that they go through to avoid being in maths, for example. Um, and then when you sort of start talking to them about it, you know, they, they sort of say, yeah, but you know, it's, it's fine because I won't be here long. And trying to convince my guys, well, actually you're, you know, one of my year sevens, you're with me for the next four years, mate. That's, that's, <laughs> you know, you're not going anywhere. I'm not kicking you out. You're not getting, you know, you, you're with us. This is your school. And that, that's something that we've been, everybody, when we first began, one of the things I wanted everyone to impress on the families and the pupils was that this was their school. Mm. This was a temporary arrangement. This wasn't a, you know, you're going to be here for a couple of terms and then you're disappearing. You know, this is now your school. You are part of the Scrubber Robson School community. Um, and that's it's taking a bit of time for the pupils to get their heads around. But I think they're getting there. I do think they're getting there. Yeah, I think I was just going to say for, you know, for, for some of your pupils that you mentioned at the beginning that, you know, you stopped counting when you were trying to count up the number of exclusions. But if, you've, if you're a... Uh, Twelve-year-old pupil that's been excluded ten, ta ten times, you almost can't blame that young person, can you, for having that, having that mindset? Because it, there's, there's, I'm sure there's a massive barrier of I don't want to let people in because I'm just going to get rejected again. So it's kind of massive, a massive, massive barrier, isn't it? And I've always like every podcast I kind of talk to, I always, it always gets onto the same similar kind of topics, which is, which is great, and I think it's something that I think should be shouted about so much more is the resilience of some young people is what they what they have been through and what they go through to you know someone might not get a stars in their GCSEs but if someone gets whatever grade and they were they weren't even going to school at the beginning of that journey that's oh, that my eyes are unbelievably bright when I look at what they've missed and what they've not in, not engaged with and, and when I look at their journeys and now I sit there and I walk into maths today and see them absolutely blitzing age Sometimes I, I, we have got a real core group in, in my school at the moment of pupils that we're now a race against time because we, I think we can catch them up. And I'm not saying we're going to get all A stars and stuff and we're going to get nines and we're, you know, everyone's going out with 
Cambridge University level um, qualifications. But we've got guys in my school that are more than able. Just because they have SEMH does not mean they're not cognitively able. Um, and that's another challenge in itself, you know, convincing these guys that actually they can do this because, again, avoidance is an issue. Um, feeling they're not going to be there. Why would I invest in you guys? Because I'm just going to disappear again soon anyway. Um, and and actually, one of the things you kind of alluded to just now, one of the biggest challenges we face is the kids get quite scared of liking us. They're actually quite, you can see some of them are feeling a little bit uncomfortable. Now we're a few months down the road and we've built these relationships. You can see that, you know, letting themselves trust us and letting them open up to us and letting themselves tell us things that, you know, they wouldn't normally tell the adults they work with in, in good ways. Um, you can see that that's causing real issue. It's a real kind of dilemma for them because you can see that they're, they're really scared at letting themselves invest in us. You know, well, I can sit there and I can tell them, you know, you can talk to me, you can, you know, I'll listen, you know, we're here, you're not going anywhere, but actually, you know, I've had some unbelievable conversations with some of the hardest kids I've ever come across for various reasons. Um, and you can see them. It's been amazing to watch them develop that relationship from the first day when wouldn't even tell me their name and was telling me where to go and threatening me with all sorts to now, you know, feeling comfortable enough around me as, and, and me as the head as well. You know, that, that's a challenge in itself for, for some of these guys, because anyone who's an authority figure usually represents a lot of things that they, you know, they have got negative experiences of. So, you know, I have to try and be really careful in, you know, making sure that I'm always really conscious of, of my relationships with the pupils as well. I don't just want to be, you know, the big bad wolf that turns up when it's going wrong. I actually want to be able to be the person that, you know, actually I'm, I am the key person for a couple of my older guys because I've built that relationship with them. Um, it, everything just comes back to relationships for me. Mm. Absolutely everything comes back to relationships, you know, relationships with the pupils, relationships with the staff, and, and just as importantly, relationships with the parents and families as well. Mm. Yeah, because not only have the, you know, the, the, the pupils have had rejection, but the, the pet, some of the parents are the same, aren't they? So also there's going to be lots of, I imagine there's, when you first get that new pupil and, and family, there's a potential for so many barriers, isn't there? So many before you even start talking about education, um, you know? So yeah, I, I think it's, I, I've got, like I say, so much praise for, for schools like yours. I think I would, I would love like more, more teachers to be put through some experience of working in schools through yours. I think it would really help both sides, mainstream and and SCN and, and AP. I, I really, really do. Um, I think obviously by the sounds of it, you're sound like you're creating something pretty pretty impressive. What's the like the the, the vision? I know you mentioned so come September twenty one, will you be up to capacity then, all being well? Yeah, so I've got a meeting in the next couple of weeks with the local authority to um, look at what our, our second round of intake is going to be. So it was always planned to be 30 in the first year, 60 in the second. Um, I've got a primary department currently that hasn't got any primary pupils in it, so I will be taking primary age pupils next year. But I think I'm probably going to be taking a mix of, because I've got year 7, 8, 9 and 10 this year. Obviously, then I'll have a, a they'll all move up. Um, I've got a slightly uneven number of, of year eights. I'm lacking in year eights. So um, I'll probably take a few year eights. We'll then have a year seven cohort we need to fill. Um, and my gut instinct at the minute is we'll probably take a year six and a year five group. Mm -hmm. um, but 
that's just me guessing at this point. So we're meeting with the LA in a couple of weeks to, to discuss, you know, the, the kind of current uh, sort of almost waiting list of pupils out there. And then we'll start our transition work, touch wood early. Um, hopefully it'll be a lot more straightforward yeah. than last year, but I'm, yeah. not gonna, I'm certainly not going to hold my breath for that. <laughs> what's going yeah. yeah, fingers crossed you get a, so I keep, the more and more people I keep talking to, I keep like, there's got a bit, there's a bit of light at the end of the tunnel. The vaccine stuff that's going on is, is great. I, I do. Uh, I could go on to another conversation. How I do, I do feel so much for um, things that kind of don't sometimes filter down to to schools in the right way from from various places. But you know, there's like, well, well. I mean, the thing for me is is that we're not shut. We're open, mm. um, and we are also a test centre. You know, we're a special school, but we're also testing. You know, we we we're doing the tests. Um, you know, and I think that's something that I've just got so much admiration, A, for my, my team of staff that have set it up and are running it. They're just incredible. But actually my, my kind of admiration for the kids that are, are doing it just is, you know, not be funny. I, I hate it. So and that's me. Um, you know, that they've just, you know, they've dealt with an awful lot of change and they've dealt with an awful lot of scary things. Um, and actually, you know, the testing is just another thing that's been presented to them and they've just taken it in their stride. And, you know, I was worried that it might cause some issues, but, you know, hats off to my guys. They've just been absolutely brilliant. Yeah, I think um, I'm a massive, massive believer in whether you're, I always kind of think that like I, I started um, our business in, in May and I'm a massive, massive believer that starting something in the like in a real bit of negative downturn recession whatever you want to call it if you can come through that and i i genuinely genuinely think whether it's a business a, a school i think i think it will only make you stronger I, I i really do i think long term i think and you, i think you you've touched on it probably in some of the stuff you've spoken about about the team the team being so vital and important and how it's kind of all gelled and i I do think, you know, there's so many negatives around COVID that there is and so much devastation, but I also think there's, there is some positives and I do think it's made, made a lot of people probably work in a different way. A lot made a lot more people become a lot more. I want to be involved in a team rather than just being about kind of me, myself and I, because when stuff like what's just happened, what's happening happened, like, being part of a good team is priceless. Having a good network around you is priceless. Friends, family, whatever it might be. So, I think if you if you can get it right in a in a global pandemic, which from from what from what I've seen and heard, it sounds like you are. I think you're you're onto a absolutely brilliant thing. And I think what you're creating looks and sounds amazing. Um, yeah, I've got nothing but kind of praise for you to be honest, Adam. I think it'd be great to great to come and visit and have a have a look around the the school. And I think the the trust have been doing some building work on a, a few of their schools, I think, recently, haven't they? So, yeah, I think they're obviously doing doing a really good thing. So, yeah, nothing but praise you, Adam. I think what you're creating is brilliant. Obviously, credit to you and your team, your pupils, everyone who's involved at the Sir Bobby Robson School and wish you nothing but the best. Thank you very much. Good man. Cheers, Adam. Thanks a lot.